Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology for 2024 came out last week. Of the teams on the top four lines, who will still be there come March and who's going to fall off the face of the planet? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoops show out there. We are so glad to be with you. That's my guy, Andy Patton, right over there. I'm Isaac Shade, and we are overjoyed to be with you. Talking college hoops right here, as everyone else is like, you know what? Two weeks till college football kicks off. (laughs) Whatever, man. It's basketball time, baby. By the way, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions, oh, they do apply. Andy, coming up on the show today, we got a six-pack for the people. It's been a minute. I'm looking forward to that. All sorts of little tidbits. But before we get to that towards the end of the show, we want to unpack several different things from this bracketology. We want to look at the top end of everything, the top 16 seeds that are one to four seeds. We want to look at the bubble and not everything in between, but those (laughs) two bookends. So let's start there. Let me just quickly give you the 16 uh, teams that Joe Lenardi has on his top four lines. Then we'll unpack some questions with it. So the one seeds, no surprise here, Kansas, Purdue, Duke, and Michigan State. These are in no particular order, by the way. These are just the one seeds. The twos, Creighton, Tennessee, (laughs) Yukon, and Houston. Three seeds, Texas, Gonzaga, Marquette, and Arizona. And four on the four line, Arkansas, North Carolina, Alabama, and FAU. How about that? So, Andy, I think the, the big general question right off the top of this is this the same 16 teams we're going to see when the committee does that early reveal? When is it? February or something mm-hmm. like that? No, is the short answer to that yeah. question. I, I'm not sure Lenardi's ever batted a thousand on this. I'm not sure. If Could you imagine? Actually, yeah, right. right. Like, he puts it, out 16 teams in August. Especially, I mean, like, Rosters are still changing. Like most of you or many of you know this, I also host Locked on Zags and I just recorded a show. The Gonzaga added a new player to the roster for next season, a guy who might contribute legitimately for them. And less than a week ago, Kentucky added Zvonimir Zvonimir Avisic. Nice. Adding a Daymara. Nice pronunciation. Right? Yeah, I I tried. We'll see how, how well I did. But like... In this era of college athletics, rosters are changing. Like it's it's wild to be to be putting out a bracketology in August and have the fact be that rosters might not even be the same between now and the start of the season. That's unprecedented. Yeah, uh, but it's happening. I mean, like you again, UCLA adding a Daymara like that is a and that had been rumored. Like a, you know, maybe that had already been factored in, but that's insane to me that that kind of addition, a guy who's going to potentially go in the top five of the NBA draft is just now being added to rosters. Like it's, it's uh, an era of college athletics and particularly college basketball that has become really difficult to try to make these kind of early, way too early, too early type of predictions because things are changing uh, in a significant hurry in the college athletics landscape these days. Yeah. It's just so nearly impossible to know, how a team actually, I mean, you look at the pieces and it's like, that makes sense. 
But then until we actually see the product on court in early November, it's really difficult to judge how those pieces have gelled and will continue to gel across the course of the season. So, Andy, a better and probably more fun mm-hmm. exercise is this one. Let's go seed line by seed line, just those top four, one seed, two seed, three seed, four seed, and we'll each give a team we think from that seed line ain't going to be there in this top 16 teams come mm-hmm. March. So starting at the top, Again, we got Kansas, Duke, Purdue, and Michigan State. Out of that foursome, that quartet, mm-hmm. Andy, who ain't there in March? Man, um, this is a tough one. I, I think you're looking at a, a group of teams that have a ton of experience, and it's really, I love, I don't like betting against experienced teams in March, teams that have experience and that have continuity, and all four of these teams really kind of fall into at least one of those two categories. Uh, I'm I'm going to pick on Purdue. I'm going to pick on the Big Ten again. Uh, I think there's a very good chance that Purdue is here, but I also think that Fairleigh Dickinson showed a pretty obvious blueprint of how to beat Purdue. And Matt Painter and Zach Eady and that young but not as young backcourt heading into next season is going to have to prove that they can make those adjustments. I think they're capable of doing it, but it only takes a few more losses in a Big Ten that, you know, Michigan State looks like a really, really good squad. And we'll see what happens with, you know, the Indianas and the Illinois and some of the other teams uh, that I think could potentially take some jumps next year. But if the if Purdue gets picked off a few more times, that might be enough to drop them. Um, maybe not entirely out of all four of these. I think it's hard for me to imagine any of these four teams aren't top four seeds at least. But I think Purdue has... There's, you could see a recipe where they end up falling out of this conversation by the time March rolls around. Yep. Uh, I took a very similar approach, except I went to the other Big Ten team. I'm yep. going with Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And part of this is just simply because Tom Izzo always schedules such a difficult non-con. Um, and like you look at it with these other schools, like I just don't see Duke getting picked off much mm-hmm. in the ACC. Yeah. John Shire is showing himself to schedule tougher than coach K did in the non-con. So they've got like, they're going, uh, they're playing Arizona in the non-con, but mm-hmm. I, I just don't think Duke gets beaten enough in that returning experience, as you said. Um, and same with Kansas. I know the big 12 is going to be wildly tough, but they're going to have enough big time wins. And so for me, it is Michigan state uh, just, that if I had to pick one of these one seeds, they would be the one for me. What about that two line, Andy? We got Creighton, Tennessee, Yukon, and Houston. Yeah, it'd be easy to pick on Houston coming into the Big 12, playing a much more difficult schedule, you know, not having the the easier schedule that you get in the AAC. I still think the AAC top to bottom is a very good basketball conference, but it doesn't hold a candle to the Big 12, at least in terms of overall talent. But I'm not going to pick Houston. I am going to pick Tennessee and Isaac, I feel like we're already falling into a trap of kind of picking on the same teams that we picked on last year. <laughs> Purdue and Tennessee are, are two of the ones. we. Guess picked what? On I'll most. just go ahead and tell you, I ain't going to pick on Tennessee as much this year. There you I'm, go. I'm not I, anticipating. I, I guess I'll be the guy. I'll be the guy who does it. <laughs> You'll uh, take Tennessee, up my, my mantle. Yeah. They, they have a, a really strong guard depth on this roster. And, and they, they, I think they're going to be really solid in that area, but they, they don't get Chris Ledlam after all, he was going to commit and he ends up going to St. John's. They lose Nakamawa in the transfer portal. He goes to Michigan. And I, I just have a little bit of enough concern about the front court uh, to, to 
think that maybe they, they don't end up quite this high. Uh, I think they're going to be a, a probably a top six team, but it wouldn't shock me if Tennessee has what we still consider is a totally fine season and they don't end up doing anything. It's not a disaster by any stretch, but at the end of the year, they end up a, a five seed. Like that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And I think a lot of that will be depending on Zakai Ziegler's health and how totally. he returns um, for me. Um, I actually am going to go with Houston. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know the defense is going to be strong, mm-hmm. uh, but just losing as much as they did, yeah. both in the front and backcourt, yeah. and then having to try to figure that out in the nation's best conference, yeah. like all it's kind of similar to what you said about Tennessee. I don't think they'd fall off the cliff like I talked mm-hmm. about earlier, but um, yeah, I, I think I would take this team as the one to fall off the top four mm-hmm. line. All right, let's go to the three seeds. Three seeds. The the Longhorns in their last round in the Big 12, Gonzaga, Marquette, and Arizona. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Wildcats, uh, the Arizona Wildcats. There's only one Wildcats in this group here. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Arizona. I think they're again. They're they're gonna be competitive. The Pac-12 is weak next year, uh, in it's likely final iteration of whatever. It's gonna be Pac-12 very weak be. after that. If we're yes, being quite weak. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think UCLA is still solid, but and and I think a day Mara makes them better, but I'm not sure that they're gonna hold as much power as they've had in the past and USC losing Bronny, depending on what happens with his health. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a big factor there. And so I think the PAC 12 is just really weak in terms of getting a lot of quality wins for Arizona. And they're going to schedule well in the non-conference. I'm sure they already have. They have a lot of international talent coming in. Tommy Lloyd is exceptional at recruiting international talent. We'll see kind of now that he's been there a couple of years, a little bit more of an opportunity to see what he can really do with his guys from a coaching perspective. But I'm a little confused by the backcourt with Caleb Love and Keelan Boswell and Jaden Bradley. It's very talented, but I'm not quite sure how all the pieces are going to fit together there. Uh, I like Umar Balo, but he's, I, I think if he's the focal point, I'm not sure that they're quite in this like guaranteed top one, two seed conversation. Three or four feels plausible, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see them drop a little below that as well. Well, I was going to pick Arizona too, so let's just keep on trucking for essentially the same reasons you just yeah. said. Andy, the four seed line, by nature of these being four seeds and not one seeds, this is probably mm-hmm. the easiest to pick from because they're yeah. all, actually maybe the hardest because they all have a few warts on, yeah. on their roster. Who are you taking uh, to not make the top 16 off the four line? It's t- I'm, I'm close between two. I, I think you could make an argument for all four of these programs not being four seeds as Arkansas, Alabama, FAU, uh, and North Carolina. And I'm, I'm going to go with Alabama. Um, they lost a ton of talent from last year's roster. Obviously, you lose a Brandon Miller. You lose Noah Clowney, like their whole front court. Uh, I believe in Pringle. I think he's going to step up and play a big role for them. Obviously, Grant Nelson is a huge addition, but... I'm just a, I'm not super optimistic that this team quite has it in in terms of being in that conversation again. I think they're still going to be solid, but the SEC with Arkansas with Kentucky kind of turning things around. Of course, we talked about Tennessee. Like it's going to be a tough year, and I think for for Bama, the amount of talent they lost kind of puts them in a in a spot where I think they're very close to being in that conversation. But it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them outside of the the top sixteen. Yeah, and with Arkansas, where I thought about them too, and I know they have half the guards in the nation on their roster, but like Musselman has shown the ability to bring all that older talent together. Mm -hmm. FAU, I could see them less because of what they do and more because the selection committee committee, named them for conference affiliation. 
yeah. but I don't want to to do that. So I'm actually going to say North Carolina just Ooh. because of what we've seen. Like the last, I was actually looking at this earlier today, Andy. North Carolina has now been in a four season stretch of having an eight seed or worse. Mm-hmm including two years of not making the tournament. And I'm including 2020 in that because they weren't going to make it. Um, And listen, it seems like the pieces are going to fit better for Hubert Davis's team this year, but they got to prove it. So I'm going to go with the Tar Heels to Mm -hmm. fall out of this. Isaac, my friend, what I would love to do now is I'd love to talk about teams that you think that might be in the top 16 teams that might be a one seed, two seed, three seed, four seed that we have not discussed. Uh, Is there a team or maybe even two teams that, you have in mind that maybe could sneak into that conversation either by the first selection reveal in February or certainly by the time March rolls around and this tournament's actually going down? Yeah, I've got a couple on my list. I'll just give one right now so that I don't steal any of yours <laughs> and then we could have a couple honorable mentions. But for me, the the team that I would have at the top of that list is Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love what they had last year. I know they lost uh, a couple with Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller. And those are key pieces to not be there, but you still have Nigel pack. You still have Bensley Joseph now coming in to we're assuming into the starting lineup. You still got Wuga Poplar. You still got Norchad O'Meara, who we both love. And then Matthew Cleveland coming over from Florida state. And so mm-hmm. I think Miami um, at least that top five, and that's going to be the question for me is what happens after them. But if, if coach Larinaga can build enough depth behind them, as I, assume that he will Miami's going to be right there I love it I I, I honestly thought you were going to steal my other one and I was prepared to talk about Miami (laughs) but in fact you stole Miami which is totally fine because I'm going to talk about Baylor who is the other team that I had in this conversation and I think a lot of attention has been on Baylor's what they've lost because they lost that three-headed guard monster they had last year. Adam Flagler is gone. He's in the NBA or, or playing professionally. Keontae George, of course, in the NBA, really dominated in the summer league, looked really, really good. <laughs> LJ Cryer transfers over to Houston, which makes for a fun Big 12 rivalry right out of the shoots for them. And I think that's kind of been the big focal point for Baylor. But Baylor brought in one of the most talented transfers in the entire country in Ray J. Dennis coming over from Toledo, a guy who averaged 20 per game and I think is going to be an absolute monster in Scott Drew's offensive system. Uh, They bring in Jaden Nunn out of VCU, who I think is a fantastic guard addition for them as well. And then they have Jacoby Walter, who's one of the top 10 freshman in the entire country and not 10th like I think he's a borderline top five guy and we've seen Baylor develop talent extremely well and yeah George had some issues last year with consistency at times but if Jacoby Walter can injury that, injury played a huge role in that yes yeah exactly yeah that's a good point if Jacoby Walter can be that dude for Baylor and Ray J Dennis can be the dude he has been in college up to this point I think Baylor's right back in that conversation. I'm still a little worried about their front court, and I think that's a fair assessment. They don't have a ton of depth necessarily in the front court, but the guard play is going to be really, really good once again for Scott Drew. I mean, it's so similar to what we said with Tennessee and Zakai Ziegler. I think mm-hmm. if Jonathan Chamochachua is fully back, um, then that front court looks and yeah. feels a lot better than we assume. Yeah. Uh, the other teams I actually had, and we can just say these quickly and mm-hmm. move on, is I think Villanova is going to yes. rebound in a big way this year. I see Justin. We had the same and- list, my friend. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and folks, legitimately, we haven't, we didn't disclose to each other yeah. who we picked. But man, mm-hmm. they've got some like Stefan Castle coming in as a friend. I mean, there's just some absolute dudes. Mm-hmm. And then the other is San Diego State. And a lot of that is just because they get back essentially everyone from a team mm-hmm. that went to the national championship game and you cannot discount what that does for a team. Yeah. 
Well, Isaac, Lenardi had some shocking teams on the bubble in his first bracketology ahead of the 2024 NCAA tournament. He had last year's tournament darling in Kansas State on the bubble. He also had a traditional ACC powerhouse. We're going to break down all of what he had on the bubble and our thoughts on that after a word from today's sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post and then you just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. From there, simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and ultimately hire. And let's be honest, the right team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Folks, want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners. Shout out to those of you checking out the show on YouTube as well. Very much appreciated. You can hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you have not done so yet. We're getting closer to 1,500 subscribers. Very cool if we could hit that number before the tip-off of the first game of the college basketball season. Isaac, my friend, we got some more bracketology to discuss today here. We talked about Joe Lenardi's top four seed the top 16 programs who we think might still be on that list who maybe won't be on that list by the time the initial top 16 comes out in february but as we learned last year as many of you know it's all about the bubble baby i love talking (laughs) about the bubble ncaa tournament bubble is such a blast who's going to just sneak in who's not going to sneak in and Look, we know that trying to project what the bubble is going to look like on Sunday, August 13th is perhaps a little bit silly, but it was very interesting to see some of the teams that Lenardi kind of has in that bubble conversation, teams that were really successful last year, uh, teams that frankly weren't very successful last year (laughs) that I would be somewhat surprised to see take that kind of leap. Uh, Isaac, I'm going to go ahead and read who he has in each of these four different categories, and then we can kind of talk about which teams we think probably aren't going to be on the bubble by the time the season rolls around, either because they are comfortably in the field or because they're not going to make the NCAA (laughs) tournament. Uh, So starting with the last four buys, the last four teams with buys for Lenardi's latest bracketology, Indiana, Clemson, Florida, and West Virginia, a very power six heavy group right there. Uh, Last four in goes to Kansas state. Of course, a tremendous season last year for Jerome Tang, Virginia, and then two biggie schools in Providence and the St. John's Rick Patinos. And then for the first four out, we have Texas Tech, Rutgers, Ohio State, and New Mexico. And then the next four out would be Stanford, Iowa, Boise State, and Utah. And Isaac, first initial reactions to this, what are some teams you see on this list that you think, man, by the time the season rolls around, there's no way those teams are going to be on the bubble because they're going to be like a six seed or like a seven seed or comfortably in the field of 68. Very quickly before that, I have to laugh because Clemson is always, <laughs> always here. Poor Brad Brownell. Like he just, 
permanently on bubble, the bubble. Like Bubbleicious should sponsor him <laughs> because like he's no um for me and it in some ways it's like, well, duh, because it's the highest team on this list, but it's Indiana. Yeah. But it legitimately it's because I think they have enough like on that roster that I'm like, they're to me, they're gonna end up somewhere between three to five in the Big Ten regular season standings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think mixed right in there with like maybe Illinois. Yeah. Um, and we'll see what happens. But I just I just don't see them being like last four buys, you know, you're kind of nine, 10 range. And I think, yeah. you know, I'm not going to say they're going to be a top four seed, but I'd have them in the six, seven range, mm-hmm. the Hoosiers. And so uh, to me, they're, they're, they're going to wind up not being on the bubble because they're going to be more comfortably in. What about you? Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you on Indiana. I, I didn't pick them because I thought there was a chance you might pick them and I'm glad <laughs> to do so. But yeah, I mean, Kalel Ware and Malik Renault is going to be a really, really fun front court in yes, the Big sir. Ten. I think they're going to do some damage. Uh, for me, I'm going with Virginia. And I, mm-hmm. I think that there are some reasons that Virginia is not being viewed as favorably. Uh, losing Caden Shedrick is a really tough loss for them. Uh, Virginia has lost a lot of front court talent from their roster from last year. They not only lose Shedrick, they lose Francisco Cafaro, who transfers to Santa Clara. Uh, they lose, um, they lost a handful. Isaac Trout is the other one. He went yeah. to Creighton. <laughs> um, I, was, I knew I was forgetting somebody else. So they like, lost some front court talent. Um, but I think that, I mean, they get Reese Beekman back, and I think that's huge that's to have massive. him back. He's yep. so, so talented. Um, they bring in Jacob Groves who, for, out of Oklahoma, six foot nine, kind of stretch three, stretch four type guy. He started at Eastern Washington, played with his brother Tanner Groves. And I think that that's a, a kind of an under the radar, but very solid addition for the Cavs. And they have a really nice recruiting class coming in as well, some highly ranked guys. And I just, Tony Bennett's such a good coach. I have a hard time seeing this team truly on the bubble. Do I think they're going to be the dominant Virginia squad we've seen historically? No, probably not. But I don't, I just don't think they're going to be a bubble team. Agreed. 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 And they've got that other Isaac, not shade, but McNeely. And I like (laughs) him a lot. Okay. Andy, you set it up, but what about the other side? Who is a team that's one of these 16 on either side of the bubble right now that you're like, this team ain't going to be on this list. They're going to be way off it come March and selection Sunday. There's a couple that kind of stand out to me that, that are a little bit surprising. And again, I think there are so many, like right now, trying to pick teams who might not be on the bubble. Like there are a lot of teams that I don't know if that I, I don't know if they're not on the bubble now who might kind of jump into that conversation. There's tons of teams that we're not thinking about that are probably going to do that because that's what makes college basketball so dang fun exactly. every single year. But to me, I was surprised to see Stanford in this conversation kind of at all. <laughs> like, uh, and I think that Stanford gets into this conversation somewhat regularly because they recruit well. And when you recruit well and you're looking at a team on paper, it might be easy to see like, well, this is a guy who they recruited two years ago who, you know, hasn't quite panned out, but maybe he breaks out as a junior and this is an incoming freshman who's going to be great. And it can be kind of easy to, to put all that together on paper and think, Hey, this is really going to work out. But I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't for Stanford in a long time. Like I, they're bringing in Stoyako, Paige Stoyakovich's son is coming in and he's going to be great. And I really hope that he is great. But like Harrison Ingram was, was brought in to be great. And Harrison Ingram was great. And Stanford still didn't sniff the NCAA tournament. Like I, I don't, and he's not there anymore. <laughs> and he's not there anymore. Right. So to me, Stanford's in a, in a weak conference. They don't have a lot of opportunities to schedule games that, that you need to schedule. I mean, they're going to have to beat Arizona, UCLA, USC. They're going to, out of those six games, they're going to have to get, multiple wins out of that group they got to beat Oregon at least once probably like I'm just not sure that they can 
do that. And, and part of it for me, frankly, is a, a lack of confidence in the coaching staff. I don't really have a, a lot of belief in Jared Haas. And I'm absolutely mystified that this program didn't hire Mark Madsen when they had the ability to hire him a, a legacy and iconic figure. He gets hired by Cal, their rival unbelievable to me to see that happen and 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 stanford has some talent on the roster but i don't see them sniffing the ncaa tournament this year no uh <laughs> there's just so many Dude, yeah. just, uh for me it's rutgers i yeah that was I, my second I, choice <laughs> they've they've had a nice couple years and i think mm. that's what gets them here but i think mm. there are just too many pieces that have stepped out and are gone and the big 10 just the depth that will be there, I think it is too heavy and too much. And mm-hmm. so um, no, I'm not saying they're not going to be around this mm-hmm. for a while in the season, but I think by the time we get to selection Sunday, I, I think Rutgers is a little bit further down and off of any of these lists. Isaac, can I ask you one more question before we get into our six pack? I would love it. Providence and St. John's both on here, both listed as last four in obviously both programs going under coaching changes. Providence uh, made some additions, lost some players, had a relatively normal off season. St. John's was kind of like a nuclear bomb. Like just everybody's gone. Joel Soriano's back. And then a whole brand new team with Rick Pitino, two programs in very different places. But if you had to pick which of these two teams is going to make the tournament and which of them's not, if I told you right now that one team's in one team's out, who do you think it's going to be? St. John's in Providence yeah. out. I just, now I, truth of the matter, I think they'll both be in actually, yeah, me but too. <laughs> if you're making me say this and it's because of Rick Pitino, yeah. this man is for anything else you want to say about off the court stuff is one of the greatest college yeah. basketball coaches, not just of our era, but of all time. So mm-hmm. give me St. John's. He's going to similar to what I said about Musselman earlier, yeah. just feel like he's gotten a bunch of great pieces in and he's yeah. going to figure out how to make them work together, come together for the greater good. I think um, Providence is going to do well, but I just mm-hmm. trust Rick Pitino that much. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think both teams are going to make the tournament. I like Kim English, the new coach of Providence. Uh, Garway Duels, I think going to be an underrated freshman coming into the conference and coming in the league, but I think both are going to make it. But if I only knew one was, I, I'm not betting against Patino, that's for sure. Now Georgetown on the Georgetown on the other hand, uh, you know, getting yeah, yeah uh, we'll see. Coach Cooley, I love Cooley but we'll see. Uh, so, um, Andy, it has been a minute since we brought the good folks a locked on college basketball six pack, but it's back today, baby, and we're coming up with it in just a second. All right, folks, here we go. A locked on college basketball six pack. If you've joined us this offseason, you might not even know what this is. Mm-hmm. But most Mondays during the season, we wrap up with a six pack of just some like quick one off things. We bounce back and forth. Andy's mm-hmm. going to start it off. I'll wrap it up. Andy, hit us with the first one. Let's go. Yeah, first one, I, t- I touched on this a little bit earlier in the show, but the Zags, Gonzaga has added a new player to their roster for the upcoming season. We've seen so many late additions to rosters this year as NIL and transfer portal and various other things have have really changed the landscape of college basketball but the Zags add a Croatian shooting guard Luka Krajnovic a very talented young man 17 points per game in the Croatian league last year most improved player really kind of steps into that Malachi Smith role as a third guard coming off the bench for the Zags and I think finally completes their roster in what should be an exciting season for for Mark and the Bulldogs in Spokane. 
Number two, over the weekend, the number one center in the class of 2024, Florida, Flory Bedunga, excuse me, picks mm-hmm. Kansas over Duke and Auburn. For mm-hmm. a long time, Andy, I thought that Duke was going to land Bedunga. Auburn mm-hmm. made a late push. In fact, yeah. our boss, Zach, who hosts Locked on Auburn, reached out. Uh, I believe his text was something to the effect of, Andy, correct me if this is wrong, you boys ready for Auburn to land a five-star over Kansas and Duke? Is that yeah. is that about the... That is exa- we love you, ZB, but yeah, that's exactly what you said. <laughs> Bruce Pearl, unfortunately, could not land this one. Zach, we love you, brother. Uh, number one center in the class of 2024, another big get for Bill Self. What up? I promised Andy a dad joke, and guess what? That there was... was- there it was. Um, and uh, so there you go. No, but very seriously, uh, Badunga, originally from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Mm-hmm. Andy, you thought that was the dad joke? No, sir. My <laughs> man Badunga comes over to Kokomo, Indiana in 2021. He doesn't go fast. He takes it slow coming in. But he has been bumped down one spot in the class of 2024. Andy, would you tell me why? Yes, I will, because Cooper Flagg, the kind of consensus number one high school recruit in the country, regardless of class at this point, has reclassified to join the 2024 class, making him eligible for the 2025 NBA draft, where barring some kind of collapse at his future school, he will likely be the top pick or at least a top five pick in that draft class. Uh, He's still the favorite, or excuse me, his finalist right now uh, is kind of the list you'd expect for a player of his (laughs) caliber. It is Kansas, it is Duke, it is Kentucky, and it is UConn. I think Duke has been considered the favorite here for a pretty long time. And if they're able to land flag for the 2024 class and uh, another tremendous likely one and done superstar for the Blue Devils or really any of these programs if he does end up switching. But the consensus for a long time is that he's probably going to join John Shire and those Blue Devils uh, now starting in 2024. Yes, indeed. Those are his main choices. I'm sorry. There's one more dad joke because Cooper <laughs> flags remain. Okay. Uh, next, Omar Silviero is planning to transfer. It is denied mm-hmm. by the NCAA, who is like buckling down. Several yeah. college football players were denied last week. Mm-hmm. And so Silviero, West Virginia is going to have to figure out some new stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, they lost a bunch of people, thought Silviero was going to be able to come in. Yeah. No, that is not the case. Also, Yikes. Two big things here. That means his college career is over. It mm-hmm. means he's got to forfeit his promised NIL money and is mm-hmm. considering, sources are suggesting, filing mm-hmm. a lawsuit against yeah. the NCAA. So a GoFundMe has been set up. As of this recording, it has $1,525 out of a $10,000 goal. So, Andy, the big question that we'll have to keep our eyes on is, is West Virginia going to try to find another big yeah. to replace, you know, to, to help round out this roster? So we'll see. Well, for those of you who listened to, I believe it was Friday's episode or Thursday's episode of Locked On College Basketball last week, I talked about a handful of transfers that had become available. One of them was Mike Meadows, who was at the University of Portland, hit the transfer portal, went to LMU, decommitted from LMU, went to Cal, and then decommitted from Cal and put himself back in the transfer portal yet again. I talked about a handful of teams he might end up with, including St. Louis. Between the time of me recording the podcast and publishing said podcast, Mike Meadows did in fact commit to St. Louis. So that is where he's going. Going to be a big time piece uh, in the A-10 there. Of course, St. Louis lost Yuri Collins, who was one of the best point guards in the entire country last year. Don't think Mike Meadows can quite replicate that, but he averaged 11 points per game last year for the Pilots and shot 36% from deep. So at the very least, he will be a good off-ball sharpshooter for St. Louis next season. 
That's right. By the way, I need to correct myself. I said, would West Virginia look for another big? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Because Silviero's a guard. I had my bad. Brain, complete <laughs> brain lapse on my part. He's obviously a guard coming from Manhattan. So uh, getting to the last of our six pack, Mac Etienne, the UCLA, he is a big man transfer. Uh, he finally committed, Andy, after <laughs> oh, half a year, it felt like being in the transfer portal. Yep. And after all these big you know, schools we thought might land him. He goes to DePaul. What? Okay, great. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. You know, I mean, this is big time for DePaul. Maybe it's more playing time there. Maybe it's mm-hmm. NIL stuff. Tough yeah. to be able to know in this day and age. So such a multitude of factors. It's not home. Uh, mm-hmm. New York is home for him. I mean, Chicago's closer than LA, I guess. <laughs> but uh, maybe he's just jumping around to all the major cities in our country. But hey, there you go. <laughs> regardless, he's got three years of eligibility for the Blue Demons and uh, hopefully should be very helpful to them in a deep Big East. Well, Isaac, I got to tell you, man, talking bracketology in August feels so great. It feels it's, it's college basketball is still farther away than it should be. I want to say it's so close to being back, but like you said, college football is very close to being back. College basketball, we still got a few more months, but I got to tell you, it's always fun getting a chance to to look at some brackets and look at what this thing might look like next season. And that uh, that's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. We'll have more continued looks at way too early top 25s at bracketology as it comes up as more transfer portal things continue to happen because believe it or not we are not done with transfer portal updates we'll have more fantastic stuff coming your way later this week on conference realignment and nil and various other topics as well of course you can find the show wherever you get your podcast you can find us on youtube as well go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet help us get to 1500 before the first game of the season, you can find us on Twitter at LockedOnCBB, at Andy Patton CBB, at Isaac Shade for my guy Isaac over there. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, leave us reviews on iTunes, all of that good stuff. Apologies to the lawyer family. Go Wildcats. And of course, until tomorrow, peace out.